Welcome to 30 Minutes with Nettie, where we explore life through real stories and empower one another. What's up, everyone? This is Nettie. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to Trabajadoras, Conversations with Career-Driven Women, Conversations with Chingonas. For the next few weeks, I will be sharing stories from different women in different careers that share a few things in common. They are all hardworking, ambitious, smart women who are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. This week, we will meet Lisette Jacobson. Lisette is a principal of an elementary school. She was born in Chicago and moved to Waukegan at the age of eight. She graduated from Northern Illinois. She has her bachelor's in science and elementary education and two masters in literacy education and educational administration. A big thank you to Lisette for sharing her story with us. And last but not least, thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I appreciate all the support. Please help me spread the word by sharing this episode with your friends and family. Make sure you tag me at Nettie's Podcast or hashtag 30 Minutes with Nettie. Everyone, I hope you guys have a good week and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace. Hey everyone, I'm here with Lisette Jacobson. Lisette is a principal at an elementary school. Hi, Lisette. Hi. I invited Lisette. Uh, we graduated together. We went to Waukegan High School. I invited Lisette to come share her story about her career and how she got to where she is. So why don't we start out with the beginning, Lisette? Why don't you share with us who you are, where are you from, and share a little bit of your childhood for us to get to know you better. So I'm Lisette Jacobson. My maiden name is Guzman. Okay. Uh, I was born in Chicago. In the, um, I grew up in the back of the yards neighborhood, pretty violent. Um, so we moved to Waukegan when I was eight. Okay. And my family wanted to get out of that because it was a lot of gang violence. Um, in fact, one of my earliest childhood memories is hearing gunshots and looking out the window and yeah. seeing someone that passed right really? in front of my house. Yeah. Where, where in Chicago then? Uh, back of the yards neighborhood. Okay. Um, 47. So when we would visit family here in Waukegan, we thought this was like the place to be gotcha. and um, when we found out okay we're moving to Joaquin we were all excited yeah but then we were also very nervous because we were like one of the first few Hispanic families in the area gotcha so around what year was this uh, 95 95 yeah. okay so where did your family grow up in Chicago did your parents uh, no they actually are here from Mexico from Michoacan okay. they came here when they were 19 got it they started in Chicago mm-hmm. that's how Got it. And then some of the family members came here to Waukegan, yes. or how is it? Actually, my uncle works on at the Sunset House Diner. Okay. And he's been there for many, many years, so. Oh, gotcha. So it was your dad's side of the family? My mom's. Your mom's. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you guys ended up in Chicago, some in Waukegan. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else that they go around? That's yeah. it. Yeah. So this is where we've been. Yeah. So growing up, how old were you when you came to Waukegan? Eight. Eight. So you did start school, elementary school mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. So a lot of the schools there are like K-8. Okay. Whereas here it's mostly K-5. 
and then you go to middle school. Gotcha. Um, totally K through eight. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Very, very big schools. I don't know if the school I went to in Chicago is still around. I went to Hedges West. Okay. And then I went to Davis Elementary. So then when you came to Waukegan, it was like a whole new world. It was totally. Like, we like thought we upgrade. You upgraded. Yeah, we thought we made it. We made it. We've arrived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Growing up, we only lived in like basements. Gotcha. We rented other people's basements and they would flood when it would rain. Yeah. So pretty bad. And, you know, it's interesting now because I didn't realize how poor we were growing up. Yeah. Because my mom, you know, was very warm, nurturing. Yeah. Kept it clean and tidy. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, man, we were really struggling. Yeah. Um, and so then in Waukegan, we were able to buy our first house. That was okay. a big deal. So if both your parents were working mm-hmm. individuals. Like, mm-hmm. they got jobs out here? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Like, at a... Factory. Factory. They both work at Medline. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't work there. And are you, is your family still in Waukegan? Yeah, I have a lot of family still here. Gotcha, gotcha. So then... You came to Waukegan, and what schools did you go to in Waukegan? I went to Clark Elementary, okay. Jack Benny, okay, and then the high school. Jack Benny was a little rough, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I love looking back, like, yeah. you know, I think it prepared me so much for my role right now. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, Waukegan gets a bad rep. Yeah. You know, um, I think that what where I'm living right now is going through a transition where we're seeing the, the demographics changing gotcha. at a very rapid rate. And so for me, this is, it's very familiar. It feels like home. The diversity is like no big deal. But it wasn't until I got into college that I realized, man, my education really didn't prepare me to be here. Yeah. Because, you know, the courses and just navigating the college system was really challenging. And I had to do a lot of it on my own. Yeah. So before we jump into that, um, how you come from a family of what? So there's five kids. Five kids. And oh, my family. Yeah, yeah, there's so seven, seven of you guys. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and you are? I'm the fourth out of five. The fourth. So did your older siblings go to college? No, they didn't. I was the first you one. You were the first one? Yeah. How about the ones that Even followed? in like cousins and stuff, I was the first you one. You were the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in high school, what told you like, I'm going to go to college? So, you know, like any kid, I think growing up in Waukegan, I was in and out. Like I kind of tested the system. Um, and, okay. and maybe got into some trouble, but I always found myself back okay. on the right path. And I think my friends played a huge part in that and, and my teachers. Got it. Um, ever since I could remember, though, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Mm, okay. Yeah. So your friends all wanted to go to college as well? Mm-hmm. Is that what helped? Mm-hmm. And then you were in CSP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so then how did you, were your parents on board? Like, yeah, you're going to go to college? No, that was one of the biggest challenges for me is um, convincing my dad especially. Okay. That, dad, I'm going to go and study at a four-year school. I'm not going to live here at home. And he had such a hard time with that because yeah. it was so indecent in yeah. his mind. And, you know, no decent Mexican girl goes away without being married. Yeah. And I had to fight that a lot, especially because my older sister didn't go away and then my brothers didn't. So I was really trying to change his mind, and that was a really big challenge. But then how did you convince him? He always wanted me. It's not that he didn't value college or education. He wanted you to stay home, go he to wanted CLC. Me, yes, go to CLC. And then at the time, I think they had the university center uh-huh. where certain universities came out and had different programs. Uh-huh. And he's like, why don't you just do that? But that really wasn't what I wanted. I wanted that full college experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends were talking about going away, and I wanted to do that. So he was like, well, I'll let you go, but there's no money for it. Like, how are you going to pay for it? And so my guidance counselor at the high school helped me apply for a scholarship. It's called the Golden Apple Scholarship. Okay. It's for pre-service teachers. Okay. 
and I got it. And it was like only a hundred in the state get it. Uh-huh. And it was a, it's a huge chunk of money. So yeah. it was really what gave me that push okay. to go. And then that's how I was able to convince him. Okay. And you decided on NIU? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Just because they had a really good college of education. How was that experience? Tell me about your college. I mean, you're the first in my family to go. So even, okay, so when I applied for that scholarship, they interview you for like a second round. Okay. And I remember... I was working, I think, at a store at the mall at Gurney Mills. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to go buy a suit uh-huh. so I can go in for this interview. Yeah. And so I'm like struggling, like I need to look professional. But I had never been in that kind of a situation. Yeah. So I remember buying, it was like a black pinstripe business suit and driving downtown Chicago. And mind you, I'm from the city, but downtown was like a totally different experience. Uh And it was in the middle of winter, and I'm driving, I'm like, I can't, it was on Michigan Avenue, I can't find this building, where is it? Uh And I'm like shaking, (laughs) driving. Um, And so that's just something that has really stuck with me, because again, no one was there to guide me. This was before GPS was around, (laughs) and just kind of like driving aimlessly. And I went in for the interview, and you know, I did well, but just there's so many things along the way that led me to get to school that were so challenging. Filling out a FAFSA. Uh We had a messed up computer that would like, I still remember, it was like a messed up HP. Mm -hmm. It would shut down and freeze on me. And I just was like, I think I'm filling this out correctly. I I wasn't sure. Um, And then college, again, very, very challenging. Did it open like a whole new world when you went to college? Oh my goodness. Again, it's like, I realized wow, so many kids come here with all these experiences, and here I come from Waukegan not experiencing very much. Uh-huh. Um, luckily, I actually roomed with a Waukegan grad. Oh, really? She was my roommate, Sabria Davis. Oh, I know her. Yeah, Sabria. She she's was, awesome. Yeah, she's great. She was my uh, roommate, my freshman. I've been trying year. to get her on the podcast. Yes, get her on here. <laughs> okay, cool. She's fantastic. We actually roomed together, and I had that that comfort. Yeah. Um, at least. How did that happen? Did you know her? Yeah, we know each other. Gotcha. And I think we were on volleyball together. Got it. And um, she actually reached out to me and she's like, I heard you're going to Northern. Do you want to room up together? Got and I was it. like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but again, it was this very different world. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me appreciate my parents so much more, too, because you can't go into the house or like there's no refrigerator to open and like get something to drink. I remember one time going to get some food and the dining Uh hall was closed and I didn't know the hours and I was just like, where am I? um, Or doing your laundry, you know, having to pay. So I, it made me really independent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how about, what was the experience like with, did you join organizations? Did you find other Latinos? Was there a diversity? So, yes and no. I actually became an RA so that I could pay for it. Okay. So that I could pay for my room and board. Um, but I do remember being the only Latina in my classes. Yeah? Yes. Especially once I got into the education courses, I was the only one. Okay. Um, and I'll never forget, I had a speech class. And mine was pro-immigration. And I didn't know that the guy going before me was anti-immigration so his speech was all about like anti-immigration and I'm sitting there the only Latina and I'm like oh my goodness mine is pro-immigration and I'm about to go give this speech and the next time we met in that class he wore a shirt that said this is America speak English or get the f out no way yes and I just was like this is terrible so yeah it was 
Interesting. I feel like uh, sometimes when we grow up in Waukegan and we're surrounded by people who look like us and mm -hmm. who, if they want to speak Spanish, we understand. Mm -hmm. It isn't until you grow up and you go out in the world that you realize like, oh shit, there really is uh, people that don't like you just because you're from an immigrant family. Yeah. Racist people. It's crazy. It's very crazy. And I realized very quickly that I didn't have the cultural capital to kind of move in and out. Yeah. And you know, even to take it back to my childhood, you don't think about it. I remember the first time it hit me that like my parents were immigrants and didn't, they still don't speak English well. I had to translate for a parent-teacher conference. Okay. And it was a very, and I feel guilty saying this, it was a very embarrassing experience for me. Like, here I am, like, eight years old, having to translate for my dad at yeah. the conference. I don't know how to translate the words into Spanish and, right. and vice versa. Um, and just those experiences, like, over time, inspired me to go into education for that reason. You went into education and then... Well, now you're a principal, so you had to further your education. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you have your master's or 75? I, I have two masters. Two masters? Yeah. Okay, so how did that happen? So then you graduated and you were like, I'm just going to continue. You went straight to grad school? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So um, I met my husband on campus. Okay. And I found a teaching job right away. Okay. And... Is he in the same field? Um, he's a social worker in oh, prison. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are both... You guys are a... Service people. Yeah, service definitely. family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I was a bilingual teacher, first grade bilingual teacher. Okay. And in order to stay in that role, I needed some bilingual endorsement. Got it. And then from that, it was very easy to um, put those credits towards a master's. So I got a master's in literacy. Gotcha. And then, like, maybe a semester after I was done with that, I went into my Type 75. Okay. Yeah. And then um, you jumped into assistant principal. Mm -hmm. Did you do that for one year? Mm-hmm. Got it. And this year? I'm the principal. Wow. Which is so yeah. surreal. <laughs> yeah. so surreal. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role now mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, share your role today. So I am at an elementary school, K-5, a um, lot of diversity. Again, that's it's very comfortable for me because I can totally relate to my students and okay. their families. A lot of them are coming from the city or surrounding suburbs mm -hmm. looking to, you know, better their lives. And that's where my experience in Waukegan, you know, it gets a bad rep and, mm -hmm. you know, the kids in Waukegan don't do anything with their lives and things like that. But I'm so grateful for that because the diversity. Okay. To me, those things don't bother me. They don't phase me. Uh -huh. I'm used to having, you know, African-American friends, Hispanic friends, Asian friends. I mean, just all yeah. walks of life. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's been a long but great journey. Yeah. I feel very blessed. How many teachers is there? Um, about 20 staff okay. members, yeah. It's not very big. So it's a small school. Yeah, so it's perfect for me, you know, to get started. Yeah, about how many students? Um, around 260. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice little... Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And this is in decal, right? Mm hmm Okay, so you ended up staying out there. You just... And I said I never would. Yeah? <laughs> I remember saying, like, I can't wait to get out of this town. Uh -huh. um, there's nothing but corn. It's a big farming community. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is not for me. But once I got to know the community, I saw that there were a lot of, like, Hispanic yeah. families and African-American families. Okay. And it's growing. Yeah. So for someone who's listening, maybe a high school student or even someone who is already an adult and wants to get into the educational world. Sometimes I feel like there's so much people might think like, oh, it's just, you know, I want to become a teacher. But once you're in that world, you realize that there's so many avenues that you could go towards. Mm -hmm. 
What would advice for someone that wants to do this career? I would almost plead with, especially if you are someone like a person of color, mm -hmm. we are in dire need of educators that look like our students. Mm -hmm. That makes such an impact. The, the teacher that inspired me, although he wasn't Hispanic, he was African American, mm -hmm. um, but that connection that he was able to make, mm -hmm. I mean, stuck with me. That really gave me that push to, to go forward into this field. So if you're considering going into this work, I mean, you could be a school social worker, you could be a school psychologist. Um, a speech language pathologist. There's just so much that you can do within a school, mm -hmm. and it is so critical, especially now. While we are very lucky that we're talking about diversity and culture and classrooms and trauma and social emotional well being, there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. And unless you have those lived experiences as a person of color, you can connect on a different level to some of your students. Mm -hmm. So definitely go for it. Yeah. Um, it is so necessary. I think the state of Illinois is actually in danger of facing a teacher shortage. Really? Because they're, it's ma they're making it very difficult to get your certification. Oh. Um, so it is challenging, but it's great work. I'll never forget another mentor of mine said, was that teaching is a political act. Yeah. And I, I really didn't understand it until now. And just to see the advocacy that I do, yeah. even as a teacher, I, I had to advocate for my students all of the time or even just create awareness like telling parents, you know, understand that your child may not translate everything correctly, but now we have resources. Now we have someone that can come in. A bilingual. Yeah, a bilingual person. Yeah, huh? that could come in and translate for you so that your child, you know, or, or sometimes even parents would get frustrated. Like, how do you not know how to say this? To the kid? To the kid, oh, yeah. yeah. And it puts the child in a, in a yeah. tough spot. So because I had similar experiences, I'm able to kind of educate the parents. Yeah, I'm sure. And I can just imagine when a child sees, you know, you as a principal, it's like, mm -hmm. I could become a principal mm -hmm. as well versus... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a student, oh, it's going to make me tear up a little. <laughs> I had a student write me a really beautiful letter. She was in eighth grade because I worked with middle school students as well. Um, and she said, you know, I didn't really like school and I always felt uncomfortable speaking English, but now I'm in advanced language arts because of you. Wow. And, and she said, you know, you really have inspired me. Yeah. And it's those things, you know, that keep you at it, going at it. Right, motivated and... Mm -hmm. Man, that's awesome, Lisa. And you never know, you know, the impact you're going to have. And many teachers, I think you can talk to any educator, and you will never know the impact you have made. And But every once in a while, a student or two will reach out and say, you know, that really meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's so dope. <laughs> um, what's What do you see yourself doing? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're just starting your principal, so you're going to mm -hmm. probably do this for a couple years. Mm -hmm. What's the, the, the goal, the long-term oh goal? Oh, my God. So I want to get my my doctoral degree for okay. sure it'll be a while mm -hmm. um my dream would be like a my own school oh. maybe like a charter school although i love public education and i know that's a contentious yeah. conversation <laughs> yeah. but um i think that kids right now need a lot of time outdoors and i love outdoor education okay okay anything like that so hands-on yeah. experience-based learning right that would be my ultimate goal why don't you share a challenge that you've had to overcome? So when I had my son in 2012, my, so I was on maternity leave and my cousin died of suicide. 
And then it was the Sandy Hook, the Sandy Elementary School, the shooting. Mm. And I remember looking at my baby and thinking, whoa, this is really scary. For the first time, I was able to feel the pain, so to speak, of a parent when mm-hmm. it was a child. And it really took me to a very dark place in my life. Mm. And it got, things got very foggy. And looking back, I was almost just on autopilot mm-hmm. and just functioning, but not really in the moment. Yeah. And talking about that with family was really hard because we just don't talk about it yeah. in the Latino community at all. And when I said, you know, I really think I need to talk to someone because I'm feeling anxious. I already have like anxious tendencies, uh-huh. but this was like very abnormal. And people talk about postpartum depression. No one really talks about postpartum anxiety. Okay. And I realized that that's what I was going through and it just got compounded by, you know, the death of my cousin and, mm. And the Sandy Hook, I was really nervous to even go to work. Because mm. what if this happens at the yeah. school that I'm at? Yeah. Um, and so talking to someone has changed my life. Okay. And seeking that professional help. But it took a lot. It took a lot of courage. Yeah. Um, even my mom was like, that's loca. <laughs> yeah. But the more that you talk about it, you see how like my tia's probably could really benefit from talking to someone right right and it's little comments like that unfortunately that is what comes out of like mm-hmm. our moms or tias or like mm-hmm. not that they try to already label what it is but mm-hmm. they think they have the solution mm-hmm. like oh you need to do this you need to do yeah. that my mom would always say you have nothing to be like anxious about you have a wonderful husband you have a great career you have your beautiful babies and i'm like that's exactly why I'm anxious because, you know, those are things that I care about. But right, right. again, telling someone, don't be nervous yeah. or don't be sad. So were you able to seek professional help? Mm-hmm. I talked to a counselor. And I just think it's so healthy yeah. to be able to talk to someone. I think that we um, function better when we have someone that's very neutral, mm-hmm. very objective. Yeah. Talking you through some of those things. And I didn't know what it was. I was always just a little worried, okay. and that just my—that was always my tendency. But like I said earlier, it got worse after all of those things happened. And, and life happens. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. are situations that come out and experiences that will affect you. But yeah. it is okay to get help. And I've even told my siblings, like, you need to see a therapist. <laughs> yeah. And they just think, oh, you went to college, that's why you say that. And it, oh, it grinds <laughs> my gears. But, but that's not what it is, you know. It's, it's good for you. Right, right. So right. that was probably the biggest thing that I've had to. Yeah, how long did you, how long was this process, like, where you weren't seeking help? Oh, it, oh, probably like a year and a half. Wow, that's yeah. a long time. A year and a half. It was, it was rough. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's scary because there's, women there's humans who don't seek that help and that's when things like whenever i see stories on the news like oh this mom did this or like this parent did this and we're so quick people are so quick to judge like wow like not even an animal would do that mm-hmm. you know but it's like i hate when people say that because i'm like you don't know what mental state the mind is so powerful so powerful and when you see black you see black mm-hmm. like there's nothing else um so I always encourage, that's one of the messages on the podcast is just, if you're feeling off, most likely something is going on and mm-hmm. it's okay to seek help. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, talk to someone who doesn't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. That's the really good part. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's just very beneficial, mm-hmm. especially growing up with our biculturalness, like yes. with this whole kind of a mask. We have to go 
back yes. and forth. Yeah. Yes, I was going to bring that up too. That's another challenge, you know. My school being was very different from my home being. Um, at school, you know, I loved to read and I was a great student. Um, but anytime there was anything that was discussed, like, I remember we were learning about Mexico and I was just kind of like, oh, this is uncomfortable because I had to be, they would always ask me, oh, is this true? Like, You're like I, the spokesperson. Yeah, I'm not the spokesperson. And I didn't feel, you know, yeah. qualified to be yeah. the spokesperson. And um, it is, it's that dual identity. Yeah. And that yeah. I tried to keep very separate for a while too, just because, I don't know, it's it's sad. It's embarrassing to admit, but yeah. But it's the reality. It's that the reality. We, that we go through. Yeah, and it's a little bit like ashamed, and I was like, why, why, why am I ashamed right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is a reality, and if more teachers could take the time to learn about their students, yeah, that would be so meaningful, more than I think people can imagine. Yeah. Also, the uh, the well, you speak Spanish, correct? Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like the code switching and mm -hmm. just the Spanish that we grew up with, with like the professional Spanish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, it, there's that meme that says, um, you're something about like when you're in a professional setting and you realize you only know Spanish from El Rancho. Yeah. <laughs> That's me for a long time. Yeah. Um, even when I was a bilingual teacher, I taught first grade <laughs> and I had to teach my students how to put accent marks. Oh. And when you grow up hearing Spanish, you know where that emphasis is. Yeah. Because that's what the, the accent marks are yeah. for, is for that intonation. And I struggled I'm like I just know how to say it I don't know where the accent mark goes you learned along with them <laughs> I learned along with them which actually helped me a lot yeah um but it was very very uncomfortable at times to have to translate there are still times um when I was an assistant principal I was at a bilingual building much bigger school almost 600 students almost 100 staff members and so I would do a lot of the public speaking in Spanish and oh, it was just so it's awkward. Fun. Yeah. I always, uh, for all my Spanish speakers, well, bilingual speakers, Spanish and English, I suggest what helped me out so much because that's how it was for me on the beginning when I worked at a school. I'm like, oh shoot, like why am I having trouble? Like I know how to say it, but I don't know the right, correct way. Um, I started reading in Spanish. Um, like all the books that I started buying or reading, Mm -hmm. all in Spanish and then that and, and saying it out loud I'm like so now I feel confident like all right mm -hmm. you know um, and a lot of the times with those books depending on where the author is from there are Spanish words that are like from that region mm -hmm. yeah and things like that super dope let's see how can we close this up if there are any first generation college students out there um, who may be struggling with you know family resistance or even just People who say, no, that's not for you or, or you're not going to make it. Just keep at it. There are people along the way that will help you. I realized very quickly that if I sought the help, there was someone always willing to help. Um, by my second year of college, when I went to ask for um, financial aid, there was someone at the financial aid office who was willing to help that could relate. Um, so just continue to propel forward. It's possible. There are so many people that have come before us that have done it. And so don't be discouraged. Yeah. Awesome. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be help. afraid to ask for help. Thank you so much, Lisette. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in today. Let me know what you guys think of today's episode. If you would like to join me in a discussion, email me at nettiespodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under at Nettie's Podcast. Please continue helping me spread the word by sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Hope everyone is having a good week. I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.